right, this is 10 questions once again, and this is Thinker, and on the other end with me, I've got Wolf. Hey, hello. Wolf. So I, 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 I must admit that probably some of the most talented people I've ever met are sometimes, or, or, or sometimes the people that I've had to remind myself about uh, on numerous occasions. Um, that must that, that, that must mean that uh, you are a talented guy, because <laughs> I've, I've I've had to f find myself uh, you know, going back and looking about you several times since, since I first scheduled to get you on here, and uh, and uh, every time I'm like, wait a minute, now what did I read about him? What did I read about him? <laughs> So. Well, I'll just take that as to say I practice good OPSEC, right? It's uh, you keep everything under the radar, everything's nice and quiet. That's the way it goes. There you go. There you go. So, uh, and, and as I tell people, whenever whenever we do this, uh, I, I I try not to ask any uh, OPSEC questions. So I'm hopefully, I don't have to make you think of your feet from that standpoint too much. So I, I shouldn't tell you my social security number then. Okay, got it. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh, I, I'll say what the first question I've got for you, it's one of, probably the first question I've asked most people at this point is, um, what what got you into the, the uh, tech field? So um, there's... <laughs> A long, long time ago when I was a teenager, you know, they always tell you to uh, to follow your passions. That's always important. Um, and when I was a teenager, she was uh, about five foot two and a redhead. <laughs> and and uh, she worked at, at a hospital. So I got a job so I could be close to her. And um, the uh, the relationship didn't last, but the job did. And they were going through the process of converting the hospital onto IT. So I was hanging out with the nurses and helping out with that process, coming a little bit early and helping, staying a little bit late and helping. And uh, as the network went live, um, the nurse in charge of it quit. She didn't want to do IT. She had done her part, but she wanted to be a nurse. And so they had no one to run it. Now, at the same time, I was hanging out at BBSs. I actually hosted one for a little while. And, uh, and I wanted to be a hacker, right? I'd seen the movie Hackers. I wanted to be a hacker. And everyone's like, oh, you got to have root. You got to get sysadmin. You got you to get root and sysadmin. I'm like, all right, great. How do I do it? And they're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know. Tell me, how do I do it? And they're like, well, you can, like, uh, you can call people and, and lie to them and get their passwords. And to this day, I suck at social engineering. So I knew that wasn't going to work. Um, they're like, well, you could rummage through trash. I'm like, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> it's not going to work either. Like, well, you could write exploits. So I was trying to teach myself exploit development and I was writing a bunch of code and everything. And uh, and anyways, long story short, the director of nursing calls me down. She's like, you know, I've, I've been watching you. I know what you can do. And uh, she's like, I, I would like to offer you a job to, to run our network. And I was like, I only have one, one requirement, right? And the minute I said that, I, I knew I shouldn't have. <laughs> because I think the temperature in the room dropped like 10 degrees and she was staring at me and I was staring at her and she's staring at me and I'm starting to sweat. And finally she's like, all right, what is it? What is it? And I'm like, I need to be root sysadmin. And after a long pause, she's like, 
yeah, sure. Okay, good. And I had no idea what that meant. And she had no idea what that meant. But next day I came in and I was admin on everything. And I was like, I'm a hacker. <laughs> I've done it. And, uh, and that launched my career. And from there, I, uh, I ran a business for a while. I, I helped build a couple consulting businesses. Um, I, I was ended up as a security officer at a financial services firm. You know, I've been all around since then, but it was that, that moment that really sparked it off and got me going way back when, when the movie's hackers was still in the theater. Okay. Okay. Um, so you said that the, uh, the, the, the five foot two and redhead, uh, that that whole thing didn't last too long. Um, it was, was, uh, were you lucky enough to find to find another one? I guess. Well, I mean, this was this was high school. High school relationships. Uh, well, uh, so 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 uh, okay okay fair, fair fair enough fair enough. Yeah, I I don't uh, I I don't know of anything that lasted very long in high school for me either. So yeah, I I understand that. But uh, um, today I'm I'm married to the lovely uh, Stephanie Gorlick. She's a, a sex and relationship therapist. I, I like to tease her. I call her Michigan's Dr. Ruth. And uh, so, yes, I mean, the personal side eventually sorted itself out as well. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, okay. So, uh, so, so you said the social engineering thing uh, was not uh, anything that was uh, natural uh, in the long run. Uh, but what's what, what would you say probably is uh, the most natural, maybe even the most favorite you know, part of uh, what you do? Well, for the longest time, you know, my my career really had, I would say, like four main um, phases, because you got to remember, I'm, I'm uh, you know, middle aged and, and a senior person in this field. So in the beginning, it was all about the the uh, the how, right? And the how and the what. So what is this technology? What is this standard? What is this cabling? How does this all work? So that was the beginning. <laughs> what do I need to build technology, to break technology, to do stuff? Um, the middle was all about the how. And for many years, if you had met me in my 20s and in the early 30s, I was deeply, deeply technical, writing code. Um, I, I put out an open source SIM. I put out a couple of different open source security tools. Um, so deeply, deeply technical. I wanted to know how every single nut and bolt worked. And I remember, uh, building, uh, building my first data center and feeling so pleased that I could trace any bit of it to any other bit and explain the whole thing. Uh, but as I, I worked up in the management, the leadership, it went from the, you know, the what to the how to the why, right? Why do we need to do this? Why do I need budget? Uh, why are we doing these security controls? Why are we making these investments? Why are we moving to the cloud? So um, for for a long time, um, it was it was all about marshaling resources, gaining support. You know the the soft leadership side of security. Uh, and so that was up until recently when I joined Duo. So you think about like how. Uh, what, why today? I think it's wow. <laughs> Whatever is like, wow, that's cool. I want to go talk to those people and hang out with that, and learn that and, and admire what these people are doing. Uh, today, I'm, I'm much more driven by what's exciting to me, if that makes sense. Okay, okay. Um, all right, well, 
getting getting away from the technical field what you know what what's uh what, what's something that's non-technical that would you would you say uh captures that wow for you these days uh so it's it's still tangential to security but if you read my feeds or look at a lot of my talks um especially the the more of the keynote material um, what I've been doing a lot of research and investigation on is design. So what is what does good design look like? What are some good design stories? Um, you know, from the Bauhaus period all the way up to the modern period. Um, and, and how can we learn from artists and creators um, and take that learning back, you know, abstract it and come up with new principles? Because the the technological principles that we've used to get our environments this far, do they work? Sure, but is it, it does it create the right conditions for the user? Does it create the right conditions for people to make secure decisions? Probably not. So uh, uh, my my current hobby, which does of course drive into my day job, is, is reading about designers, watching documentaries about artists, reading and, and uh, speaking to uh, people who are on the creation side, people who are generating experiences for people that people want to come and see and do. Uh, so hopefully I can learn ways that security people can make uh, more approachable, engageable security models. So, so you're, uh, what, what, what somebody may, uh, what would refer to as a, uh, uh, security philosopher. I guess would that would that be applicable? Uh, possibly. <laughs> I mean, I I guess you could say that if you wanted to think about it in terms of philosophy, we're going right to Epictetus, and I'm going to tell you about Stoicism and how we just need to buck up because it's going to suck for a long time. <laughs> but sure, sure. I mean, there there is there is a certain nature of philosophical approach, I believe, that comes from being in this industry for several decades okay and so, so you, i heard you say stoicism um me you uh do any uh reading of marcus aurelius oh yeah absolutely well what would be uh, one of your more favorite say, sayings of uh, marcus aurelius oh i don't i don't do quotes i have a terrible memory for those sort of things uh, i'm sorry okay. to say well, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I, it, everybody has things that uh, that that uh, they can do like that, and things that they can't do like that. I, I get it. I get it. So, do you have, um, do you have a good quote that you like? I would dare say that I have not uh, read any Marcus Aurelius with enough um, with enough consistency. To be able to, uh, it, to to be able to be to the point of even quoting things back. Um, see, so so this was a trick question. I could have told you anything. Let me let me have a do over for this. My favorite Marcus Aurelius question is when he said, "There's very little needed uh, to be happy in life. All you need is what's within you, what you know, good friends, good company, and a well patched Windows operating system." There you go. There you go. Yeah, and, and, you, and you can always find an attributable, uh, attributable quote to anything on the internet. So said Abraham Lincoln. 
Yes, yes. So yeah. that, uh, that, that is, it's one of his lesser known sayings, but it, it really rings home to me. And I, I think about it every, uh, you know, Tuesday of uh, the first Tuesday of every month. There you go. Yeah, that, that's, that's a very good time to think about that. Um, now, I, I, I actually, uh, given, given uh, that uh, you brought that up, um, I love this apple. Cooperate for me here. I do have um, I do have uh, the Daily Stoic that um, that uh, I read every so often. And so today, being the first of February, whenever we record this, uh, the the particular entry. Uh, is keep this thought handy when you feel a fit of rage coming on. It isn't manly to be enraged. Rather, gentleness and civility are more human and therefore manlier. A real man doesn't give away to anger and discontent, and such a person has strength, courage, and endurance, unlike the angry and complaining. The nearer a man comes to a calm mind, the closer he is to strength. And you would you, you would think that uh, that something like that being said at that point in history would would you, you wouldn't expect that you know it's that seems like um, that that seems like stuff that only only has been espoused as of late, um, but I guess that's how much people have ignored it over the years. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's. The from a stoic perspective, I, I mentioned Epictetus uh, earlier, and, and any of listeners who are, you know, tuning in may go, "Oh, he's saying that wrong." And so, if I am, I of course apologize. Uh, but the um, the thing that uh, he's my favorite, and the thing that always marvelled me about the Stoic philosophy, and seems to be so apropos to security, is it really is learning how to control yourself and control what is within your control. And so when you think about it from a security perspective, um, cybersecurity is, is a lot about learning how to accept what's outside of your control and what you have soft power or influence over and letting that go so you can have a clear mind and a quick wit to address what you can directly secure, right? You're, you're, internal network or that application that's going out that you have, you know, guidance and control over or whatever it may be, um, the ability to kind of separate what matters from what doesn't is so important, I think. Yeah. Um, and another place that uh, I've seen basically that particular teaching used, um, anybody that uh, knows me knows that I will uh, quote or bring up uh, TV shows, movies quite a lot. And so I'm about to bring up a TV show right now, but uh, on um, Seventeen, uh, the the main character, the team leader, at one point was talking about the fact that in uh, that in uh, Buds that it, he was taught that you can only control five feet this way, five feet this way, five feet this way, five feet that way. If it's out, if, if it's, if, if it's out, out of range, you can't control it. And so there's, there's no use in stressing over it because it's going to affect your decisions inside those five feet. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it, it's it, it's it's a it's a very good philosophy in many many areas. Um, okay, so uh, moving on um, to something uh, not quite as deep, um, and this will be officially question number four. Um, what kind of uh, what was what constitutes a good midnight snack for you? A good midnight snack. Yes. Uh, so, hmm. I don't. I'm not necessarily a snacker. Okay. So I I don't necessarily eat uh, eat around midnight. I do oftentimes go to bed early and end up awake around one o'clock. You know, midnight. And usually, what I do is I go downstairs uh, and fix myself a good drink. So. Um, Right now, my my uh, lovely wife has been going through and trying different infusions and rum, and, and I also did some with some bourbon and whatnot. Uh, so we've, we've been playing with that craft cocktails. So I've got this um, really good um, rum that she made, this, this Christmas rum, holiday rum, that just tastes like holiday. I mean, not like cinnamon, but there's just this, this great flavor to it that just reminds me of like a German Christmas cookie. Okay. Um, so this morning around one o'clock, I woke up, I went downstairs and, uh, and I made myself a dark and stormy with a few shots of that rum and some good ginger beer. So I'm going to go with uh, a good cocktail as my preferred midnight snack. You know what? That, that is a, uh, that, that's a perfectly acceptable answer there. I, 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 I think a, if a lot more people thought along those lines, they probably probably find themselves a little more satisfied with the idea of having something in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, even talking about that, I've I've uh, mentioned to a few people, uh, yeah, how uh, whenever I worked overnight. Um, well, on the weekend, since my sleep schedule would be all screwed up, I wouldn't necessarily have any um, midnight snack on the weekends. But on Saturday night, Sunday morning, I'd always end up finding myself at um, IHOP at about two a.m. So uh, uh, you know, and, and that's you know, that, that's always good anyway. But I remember the first time that I ever uh, that, that I ever went to IHOP at two a.m. on a Sunday morning, and I was taken aback by about 20 minutes later, just this big deluge of people coming in IHOP to eat. And I was wondering what the heck was going on. And then it hit me. That's the crowd after last call. Absolutely. So, all right. Um, question number five. Um, A good nerd question right here. Star Trek or Star Wars? Ah, so this always gets down to me, to the um, metric by which you're measuring. So what is fascinating to me about Star Trek is the expansiveness of the universe, the the vision of the future, um, and the, the narratives of the stories. I mean, you've got several seasons right spanning several decades and they've been able to weave together a very rich um mythos that of course 
can not only expand into many other different stories, but also can help us inform where we need to go today, right? There's a lot of good lessons that you can take from Kirk or Picard or Janeway, or uh, my favorite is Cisco. Uh, so from a, a universe perspective, um, and from a general, like, you know, enjoyable perspective, I'd say Star Trek. Now that the argument against Star Trek is, well, there's not a lot of action in there, um, which has been certainly true until discoveries come out. And so if you're simply looking for like an action hero movie, um, then the Star Wars series are awesome. You can't do any better than a, a, a bunch of dog fights with small ships and sword fights with the laser swords. I mean, that's a fantastic thing. Um, so it's, if you're looking to get your adrenaline pumped up, sure, Star Wars. But to me, Star Wars is more of a junk food and Star Trek is more of a good meal. Okay, okay. Um, I've, I've slowly started getting people that, uh, that, that express that it's apples and oranges. It's not, it's not something that can be compared. So I, I, I appreciate hearing those angles. Um, now, now, speaking of Star Trek and more expansive things and all that, have you uh, by chance taken in uh, any of the new uh, Star Trek Picard yet? So just uh, the first episode, and uh, and I like the setup. Um, the setup is really good. So I, I've I've seen the first episode. I'm not going to give away any spoilers. Um, it's it's an interesting take on Picard. Uh, he's been humbled a bit. Um, he's a bit older, a bit wiser, but also he's definitely, you know. Uh, itching to get back out and, and make uh, make a mark and, and live, not just exist. So it's uh, it's a good start to the series. But I've only seen the one, so if there's more coming, uh, obviously there's more coming. But I mean, whatever is coming, don't spoil it for me. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Okay. Um. All right. So. Um... Moving on to number six. Lucky number six. Lucky number six. I've actually gotten it gotten to where I stop writing all my questions ahead of time, and just every so often, I just I I I hit a wall as to what would be what would be a good one though. So, just um. Number number six. What was your favorite band in high school? Uh, favorite band in high school. I was all over the map in high school. So th this also gets <laughs> a sidetrack. I I uh, I get bored with things very quickly. So. For a while, I loved the Beatles, and I got bored with the Beatles. Then I loved the Stones, I got bored with the Stones. And then I was really into um, uh, swing music, and I got bored with that. So it's it's really difficult to put a finger on one band. Um, but if you were to go by the music that I own, it would probably be the Beatles, because I own everything by them. Okay, okay. Um... Well, since uh, since you've got all the Beatles stuff, I, then I, I've I've got to dive a little further on that. 
what would you say would be the just absolute perfect Beatles album? Oh, the White Album, by far. And why is that? It just had a really good section of a bunch of different songs, right? And then, you know, like um, My Guitar Gently Weeps. I just remember listening to that. Um, so I had a had all these on vinyl because I was a, a teenage hipster. Uh, had a battery-powered... <laughs> Um, you know, record player that I took with me. And I just remember sitting uh, sitting in the park, listening to that, uh, you know, listening to uh, My Guitar Gently Weeps, laying back in the grass, uh, holding hands with my girlfriend at the time, looking up at the clouds. Just a really good sort of mellow everyday, uh, not everyday, but, you know, mellow, mood that that album sets and there's other things in there, right there's like um blackbird um dear prudence so there's there's a good set of songs but it's one of those albums that's very easy to walk into and it's one of those albums that's very comfortable almost like a uh well-worn bathrobe on a saturday afternoon okay okay all right then i i, I this this is this next this this next follow-up question here is uh, one that uh that uh, you ask the wrong Beatles fan and you can find yourself hurt. But is there any Beatles song that you would say that a cover has actually... That is a hard one to think about. I think Joe Crocker with a um, goodbye with a little help from my friends. I mean, the, and again, this is way back, right? But I mean, his take was so engaging and, and so iconic that uh, I think it transcended the original Beatle. And you know what? That is the only one that, the only one that I ever find myself saying this same thing about so i think we're in agreement there all right um okay question number seven um so let's let, let's say it's uh the the apocalypse is coming going zombies roam the earth um who it was who would be three people that you would want to have around you that would help give you the best chance at surviving post-apocalyptic zombie infested earth? So, you know, that's a really good question because I think, you know, generation X grew up with apocalyptic fiction. And I believe a lot of us, have been sitting around waiting for the world to end. I mean, the coronavirus happens and everyone's like, oh, here it is. Here, it's coming. I actually had a, a friend of mine go, you know, if you rearrange the letters in coronavirus, you get Raccoon City. And I'm like, there's no T in Corona, but I think you're probably right. Um, and just a funny side story to that, when I was building a security team a couple companies ago, I was building the company up from, from effectively no one. 
one of my criteria was um, who could kill me and who could kill others if the apocalypse hit. So one of my interviews questions was, do you have any lethal skills that I should know about? So we uh, we had people on there who were martial artists. We had people on there who like uh, my my favorite was a pen tester who could roll his own bullets. He did like you know um, cowboy style shooting, so he could smith and make his own bullets for his gun. So you know, and then of course I had some fencers and a bunch of different things. So I think fundamentally I, I love the question because for most of my adult life I've been waiting for the apocalypse to come and just keeping an eye towards the exit and keeping an eye with the friends I keep. The, uh, the answer though is really going to vary. And this is, this is just a terrible thing, right? Every answer when you ask someone senior is it depends. It's going to vary on what type of apocalypse it is. If it's like the, you know, Skynet apocalypse, I, I want my red teamers. Um, you know, there's, there's some really sharp folks. Um, some people you've already had this podcast. Uh, who can effectively walk through any computer system like it's tissue paper. I want those guys near me. Um, if it's if it's the zombie apocalypse, it's not going to really help much because power is going to be down. Technology is not going to work. Um, so in, in those scenarios, I've got a couple friends um, who, uh, who are sword fighters, and I think that's what I would want. I want uh, a couple good sword fighters to uh to work because bullets will run out and everything with the exception of my friend who can smith his own bullets but even that 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 creates a, a downside there's um there is a michigan school um that focuses in on german martial arts where i know a number of the mysec people go and they learn german style barbarian style sword fighting right the the heavy wielding sword crack through cut you in half stuff I'd want two of them and my wife. All right. All right. Yeah. I now so you started uh, talking through that, and I was just uh, I just uh, got done talking to uh, Jason Street the other day, and he was he was talking about his uh, sword fighting that he does and everything, and I was thinking, you know, that it sounds like uh, Jason might qualify as one of those people. So I, I freaking love hanging out with Jason and he's one of those guys that always when we're overseas, he seems like one step away from getting arrested or shot. And yet he somehow always manages at the last minute to pull out of it. So uh, I think whatever the apocalypse is, having Jason Street and Jason Street luck around you would be a good thing. All right. All right. Okay. Uh Question number eight, we're going to, uh, I haven't pulled out the phobia list in a, in a few recording sessions, so I'm going to do that again. So the, 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 the rules here is no, no double checking uh, definitions on your end first, uh, but I'm going to pick three phobias and just based off of whatever prior knowledge you already have in your head, You've got to tell me if you had to have one of those phobias, which one would be the, which one would be the best one if you had to have one. All right. So we're comparing phobias. Got it. Yes. So uh, the first one, chiroptophobia. Chiroptophobia. Okay. 
The second one, clinophobia. All right. And then the the third one, consecutileophobia. 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 Oh, no, it's it's on my trusty phobia list in front of me, so. Ah, all right. So, consecutileophobia, I think you're making that one up. So, I'm going to pretend that that means consecutileophobia. The fear of consequences. And who the hell wants consequences? Um, I may be completely wrong, but that is my final answer. So, I will will not go with that one. Uh, Clinophobia. That's not gonna. That's not gonna work either because um, I like beds. I I do like my sleep. As I mentioned earlier, I'm usually asleep well before midnight and only wake up after for uh, for cocktails, as we've covered in a previous question. Um, so uh, we'll skip that one. What was the first one you told me? Chiroptophobia. Chiroptoph- chiroptophobia. Would that be like fear of like something bumpy? Um. Chiroptophobia. What could possibly go wrong with something bumpy? Am I, I'm going to go with chiroptophobia. I, uh, I will commit to a lifetime of that fear. Okay. So uh, you, you, had, you had one of those absolutely nailed, and that's the clinophobia. That is the fear of going to bed. Um, then the consecutileophobia. I, I was about to go. With, I was about to go with the one right above it on the list, but I, I couldn't pass up this actual fear because it's fear of chopsticks. Oh wow! Yeah, I would not have guessed that one. And then the one that you decided would be the best one if you had to have one of the three: chiroptophobia. It's fear of bats. Of bats? Oh no! Do you have Miss? Have you already talked to Miss Bats in this podcast? I have not. Okay. Miss Bats, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I, uh, I've appreciated our friendship to this point in time, but no more. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I'm now afraid. Actually, anyone should be afraid of Miss Bats because she's wicked with knives, but that's neither here nor there. All right. Um, moving on to question number nine. And this... This could be, your, your answer to this could be entirely, entirely real, or you can make it up. I, I, I don't care. But where do you see the world in five years? Oh, I, I never make things up. Um, except for when I do, and even then I wouldn't admit it. The, <laughs> the world in five years. So, you know, what's interesting about that question is, um, as, as I'm sure a lot of people on this uh, podcast know, uh, in November of last year, November of ni- 2019, we hit Blade Runner, right? So we hit the, the modern timeline caught up with the future. And I think in two years, we're hitting soil and green. So we are right in the midst of what uh, what people have been predicting will come forever and ever. And if it's one thing that's taught me, it's that we are, as a species, terrible at predicting what's going to happen, right? 
There's no flying car. And when I make phone calls, there's not even pay phones anymore. If you remember, there were like Androids on pay phones in Blade Runner, which I thought was fantastic. Um, so in five years, um, inertia is a thing. I think uh, people will still be complaining about O-Days. People will still be um, having their, their web apps popped. Um, we'll have slightly better, slightly more expensive phones. Um, the the Tesla cars and everything will be driving themselves even better. Um, the government and the U.S. and across the countries or across the world will still suck. Um, people will be yelling at each other on social media for uh, important reasons as well as completely ridiculous reasons. And uh, and we will receive our first message from an extraterrestrial life. So you heard it here. 2025 ET will be contacting us uh, and we'll promptly decide not to after reading a post on Twitter. And, and hopefully Tesla's Cybertruck will be upgraded from, from 8-bit resolution to 16-bit resolution. <laughs> yes. So, all right. Question number 10. What would you say is both the best and the worst advice you've ever received? Uh, the worst advice I ever received was from my family who was very concerned about me on computers and thought that I would be much better served to get a factory job, which is a great way to make a living in, in Detroit, or um, get a job as an accountant, which is where the majority of the rest of my family has jobs. Um, so much so that... Um, uh, about five years ago now, um, I was featured in, in a local paper. And at the family reunion, they were like, oh, that's really great. We saw you in the paper. So are you ever going to get like a real job as an accountant? Or are you going to just keep doing this computer thing? <laughs> nice. So that would be the worst advice um, by far. Um, the best advice that I ever got was... Um, to break one rule a day. Um, so whatever you're doing, whatever the um, rules are of the system, whatever a uh, computer system, I mean, whatever the rules are of the environment you're in, you know, don't park one way street, uh, whatever that may be, whatever the, the social nomenclature is, um, try and break at least one rule a day just to keep fresh, just to keep creative, and just to realize that uh, what oftentimes we feel are constraints in our lives and our constraints on our technologies are in fact nothing more than things that we tell ourselves. It's very insightful. Very insightful. All right. Well, that is uh, the end of all 10 questions. Uh, give you a chance to add anything else or if you need to if you want to plug anything or whatnot before we're done yeah no thank you uh thank you so much for having me on uh for those who want to uh know more about me i i do have a youtube channel where i do uh, a couple videos a week so you can check that out at uh youtube at jw gorlick and, uh, oh, Dave Schwartzberg and I are now doing a podcast called Kibitz and Bits, um, where we're, uh, we're trying lessons from uh, 
a weekly Torah portion. So those uh, those of you so inclined to uh, to see how six thousand years of writings can influence the most latest thinking in cybersecurity, feel free to check out that podcast. Sounds like fun. All right. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we'll we'll go ahead and end. And Wolf, I will. Uh, I'll look forward to talking to you again later. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, mate. I appreciate it.